Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Football Ramble Mailbag. The importance of managers and team meetings at the orders of the day. It's Saturday, 3rd of February. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Jim Campbell. Hello, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you, too. Well, thank you, sir. What a yeah. day. Rocking all week with you, Jim. Well, yeah. indeed. But this is the best day. It Saturday is, night's all right for rambling. It yes. is. And morning. Yeah. Or afternoon, whenever you listen Up to this. To you. It is indeed. And of course, if you want to get involved with the mailbag, you can tweet us on X at Football Ramble, message us on Instagram at Football Ramble, and of course, you can email us show at footballramble.com. I would just say, if you are going to choose X, formerly known as Twitter, as your mode of communication, yeah. you're going to have to, you're not playing the percentages there because there's so much good stuff on there that you might not be seen mm. among all the other yeah. great content. That's right. Not just correct content, great hashtag content. A lot of hashtags. Which just comes from the leadership, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It trickles down. Yeah, yes, it does, indeed. actually, yeah. From uh, top down. Uh, Jim, you've got an email. I do. Speaking of leadership, funnily enough, Kyle uh, said, Hello, gents. After all the fallout from Jurgen Klopp's exit last Friday, I had a manager-related question I've wanted to get off my chest for a while. It feels like managers' roles in modern football get massively overblown by the way media cover the game, and I'll include you guys in this too, dig. <laughs> the dig, isn't it? The disproportionate amount of airtime and column inches given over to managers rather than players. Now, I'm not saying that this is the case with Klopp, but do you think football fans and media overestimate the impact of managers in football? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he does end by saying thank you. Yeah. He insults us. Yeah. And then he ends by admittedly being very polite. And he started with hello, gents, and he ended with thank you. So we'll give him a pass. Yeah, I think so. That's fair enough. What do you it? reckon, Luke? What are your immediate um, thoughts on this one? I don't see how this can be an accusation that stands up, really. And the reason for that is because... Carl's full of crap. They are... Because, <laughs> Kyle, you are quite simply, my man, full of shit. And I would thank you to not communicate with us ever again. Uh, no, because... Muted. Yeah. <laughs> because they're a figurehead, both symbolically and literally, for, um, for the club. Mm-hmm. And if you think about how any kind of meaningful communication that isn't you know, around you know, a post-match interview with a player who's just scored or mm. whatever, does come through them. I think there's a really interesting debate to have around the role at the top level and how it's changed and how basically the skill set needed to be successful at it is different, i.e. so if you take the two Manchester clubs and you take Sir Alex <coughs> Ferguson when he ran things at Man United, the, foot, the, the, the sport was still kind of small enough for him to better run every aspect and mm-hmm. be you know, on the phone to a, a scout down the park to 100 miles away one minute and then speaking to Eric Cantona the next and then having, having a conversation with the board about a commercial deal, whatever the next, he would be involved very much all of that. You transpose that across to say what Pep Guardiola does now. And he's really, you know, look at his coaching team, for example, or the team he has to run Mm -hmm. across coaching, scouting, medical and other areas. His team Mm -hmm. is north of like 50 people. And that's not including the players. That's before you bring the players into it. And that's a particularly, um, Big example of yeah, but I think managers the, managers have teams now at the top level, and absolutely, yeah. and they are all in their own way geared toward the success of the men's first team. Yeah, and Guardiola is the spiritual and practical figurehead mm-hmm. of that. Everything at that level is running through the manager, so I think it's really difficult to get on board with an opinion that says their roles overstated. Of course, you know 
when the, when the when the players get out on the pitch and they're doing individual things and they're scoring goals or they're saving penalties or whatever, he can't control that. But up to and including the tactical kind of discussions, which of course with with someone like Guardiola are very very detailed. He really is the kind of guy. And so I don't really know. I would probably flip it back on Kyle, though I can't because he's not here. But if he was here, I'd say, well... And we invited him here, the cowards. And he wouldn't turn up. Yeah, Yeah, he didn't want it. He's just big on the computer screen. That's all he is. Keyboard warrior. Um, But do email in, though, if you've got a question. I wonder why we're not getting many questions. (laughs) No, I I think I would flip it back and hand over to Jim maybe and say, look, if it's not the manager... Who who is going to get this? Um, who is going to get this coverage? Because it's an incredibly, it's the most popular sport in the world. It's an incredible amount of coverage, obviously, and it's going to be covered in some way. So, I mean, who else is it going to be? The buck stops with them, of course it does. And people, and, and it's not just one way or the other. The final thing I'll say is that yes, they carry the can of shit goes <clears> wrong, <throat> absolutely. But we always talk about successful managers in terms of the trophies they've won. We don't say that Pep Guardiola was the manager of Man City when. Kevin De Bruyne won the Champions League. We mm. say Pep Guardiola has won X amount of Champions Leagues as a manager. And, and so it does cut both ways. It's just hard to see how else you would cover it, I suppose, mm. is my answer. I think, so Kyle isn't saying that we shouldn't have managers, obviously, but it is tempting to look at this. I'm reading between like, the lines though, Jim. But it, but it is tempting to, to look at a question like this and, and come to that conclusion, isn't it? I guess he's talking about how if their influence is overblown. And actually... There is, there has been research done, and it's very, very difficult to do research in, into a situation like this because you can't have a control group of players who play without a manager. So you have to try and yeah. find kind of data that that is useful in in different ways. And I, I think it's really at the at the top end and the bottom end of of any league is is where it uh, is is most prevalent that the manager's influence shows itself to be as important as it is because apparently in terms of researching things like the new manager bounce often it's it's a it, it happen, it's a little bit of a myth and mm. actually sacking a coach doesn't often if you look at sort of longer term results necessarily affect the form of teams as much as you might think but Again, we come to these extreme examples. I would, I would, Pep Guardiola is a great example. Jurgen Klopp, if you look at where Liverpool were before him and the mm-hmm. fact they'd had this, this situation where they hadn't won the Premier League since it began, um, and it was a, a real, real problem for the club. He's now taken them past that, and that is a huge, huge, significant thing. You get players that come in and sort of, or, or managers rather, that come in and revolutionise the culture of a, a club. But at the other end of it, you have your Sam Allardyces where he, aside from the situation with West Brom, obviously, um, sorry for bringing that up, Sam, <laughs> uh, he, he will save you from relegation. Well, you know, he's United. a specialist. He, sorry, of course, and, yeah. and Leeds as well. He is a specialist and he can come in and he can and he can sort that out. And, you know, that's real, isn't it? We we saw him yeah. do that many, many times. So that that influence is, is there. I don't think there's any credence to the idea that, you know, the players can just sort of get on with it themselves. And I'm sure... If you know, if it was eleven men against eleven in some friendly somewhere, mm-hmm. Man City could probably beat some Premier League teams without a manager. But it's it's just not sustainable, is it? Yeah. And no, if you look at the prevalence of set piece coaches as well, which are, are all directed by the manager and and teams who make a mm-hmm. big big point of these these like set variables within games mm-hmm. and how a manager's influence can can you know make a huge difference at the end of the season in yeah. a very practical, tangible way. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's called the manager for a reason mm. you know and, and well, some of them are head coaches now I guess oh that's very yeah. true actually yeah, right and you, you do hear about um, you know we were talking recently weren't we about Jurgen Klinsmann at his time at Bayern where the players were, were secretly meeting to discuss tactics mm-hmm. without him so you do get managers where they are more about motivating players yes mm. and I mean, these are just different styles I mean I think with 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 managers if if they are encouraging players to do that 
That's because that manager feels, you would hope, that it's the right thing to do with those players. Mm. You don't get the same set of players with the same qualities at every single football We've seen club. it with Ten Hag at Man United. Now. Yeah, you, you, you come into the situation and so to say, it's a, it's a bit like saying... Well, do, does a managing director at, at corporate level, I mean, what, you know, what are they worth? Well, there's so many different companies around the world. I know they sell yeah. different things, but it, it, it's almost a bit like that. You know, the situation at Manchester United is very different to the situation at Manchester City, as is Chelsea, as is, you know, Liverpool, Fulham, blah, 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 blah. Um, Ferguson was a great delegator. Mm. He delegated a lot of stuff. That is a part of being a manager. Yeah. You know, so th- that is important. If you don't delegate, you will burn out probably. Um, or you may not find um, the, the, the a particular skill set of someone being utilised in the camp. They may be a bit unhappy, or you might not get in the full ticket on, on a particular area. There's so much. I think with managers, yes, it can appear sometimes with certain football clubs that it doesn't matter who goes in there. It's a bit of a shit show because the manager is not the the owner, the CEO, the, the the striker, the goalkeeper, all these things. There's a lot of moving parts. But the, the role is very, very important. We've talked about Iriola on the on the previous show. I mean, would Bournemouth be in the situation they were in if it if Iriola wasn't there? Mm. Probably not. I mean you, again, you you had a few people, Scott Parker being one that leaps to mind and, and one or two others who had a go and it wasn't quite there. A manager can make a huge difference. Emma, Emery at Villa mm. is a massive example. When 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 juxtaposed with what Gerard was doing. Exactly, before, yeah. yeah. And I understand there's been a few more signings, da, 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 but I mean you know, they made those signings, or or at least they, they either wanted those players, and if they didn't specifically say that um, player, they'd have said that type of player, or if they've been given that type of player, whatever the, the situation is behind the scenes with sporting directors, the fact that, again, they have to manage the situation, they have yeah. to bring that player in, and they have to make that player a part of the squad. So um, I think that, you know, sometimes footballers uh, nowadays can, it's a bit, yeah, they, they can sometimes be accused of maybe not playing for a manager, da, 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 that's probably always been the case. But I think now, yeah, the, the, the emphasis is heavily on a manager. But I think that's that's largely justified. I mean, you could say, does an individual make a huge difference to a team? It does feel like at Manchester United, you know, you could put anybody in there and actually would it improve it significantly? But we know with some examples in history that a, a single player going into a side, it, you know, it depends but, but on Carl's that. Question, but Carl's question was about whether... It's overblown. It's overblown by the media. I don't think it is. I don't think answer. it is either. Yeah. And I think also another, another area of looking at it would be all managers are leaders, right? They've they've chosen to they've ordinarily risen to the top of their field as mm-hmm. players to start with, yep. or they've done enough as a, as players to go right now. Yep. I want to become a manager, and, and in order to do that, you need to be a leader. You need to get people to listen to you. Yes. All the kind of basic understandings mm-hmm. of what leadership means applies to being a manager at, at kind of any level, really. So the majority of them, therefore, have like some charisma which lends itself to to leadership. Um, for good or bad, yeah, you know, it could be. You, know, you, you totally. may you may feel like you know Mourinho's charisma can be very toxic, um, but they're naturally going to be pretty outgoing and charismatic, which lends itself to coverage, which lends itself to column inches, well, yeah. And and on and on the other hand, players can be quite charisma free and quite boring, or we just don't know enough about them. Or they've been told to be exactly. And managers and so are always they're a up lightning in front of the rod, media. aren't they? So they're totally. always going to be a lightning rod for that. I'd, I'd also like to bring. I, I, I agree with what Marcus has said in terms of, no, I don't think it's overblown, but I do think it's an interesting question. And I'll, yeah, bring, of course. I'll bring another angle into it. Um, I wonder now, at the lower level of football in this country, given the state of how clubs are and how football is and how you know there's such basket cases financially and the deck is stacked against them so much on things like ability to retain players and mm-hmm. finances, I wonder now whether it's actually possible 
to succeed as a lower level man- manager in a sustained way. Yeah. And and what I mean by that is that, you know, can you think of a possibility where one manager takes a team in League Two, revolutionises it with their ideas and leadership and charisma and way of looking at the game and takes them through the leagues consistently? To me, I'm not, I don't have examples in front of me. I might have missed someone obvious, but I don't think I have. To me, it feels like it's going... Um, less and less likely as the years go on. And the reason I think that's important and relevant to this question is because maybe it's only at the top level now they are really important. Mm -hmm. And I think we're all convinced that they are. But at the lower league level, what you just tend to see now is just managers losing their jobs all the time. Mm -hmm. Right, quick, managers gone. We're not happy with that after a year or whatever. And if you look at the list of current serving managers, they're not really there very long uh, at the lower level. We have a quick reset, we have a refresh and we try and get another year out of someone else and then we go again and we go again and the whole thing is based on survival, not just league position but in in finances and stuff like that. So maybe actually because of the way football is run in this country now, interestingly enough, Carl's hit on something but not perhaps in the way that he imagined by saying that I don't know of anyone who would take a job at that level who can actually give himself the importance that we would traditionally associate with a manager at, say, League 2 level because of the because the deck is just so stacked against them. Yeah. Paul do you understand T- the point I'm making? Yeah, I do. Paul Tisdale's an interesting example of that. But I, perhaps it backs up your point. I mean, he was at Exeter City. He of the the interesting hat. Yeah, I know who he is, um, yeah. for, for those who maybe don't remember, he was at Exeter City for, how long was he there? Like 12 years? Yeah, and Gareth Ainsworth's been at, been at, um, yeah. at Wickham for then, a long But time. after that, he then goes to MK Dons. He's there for about a year. Bristol Rovers, about a year. Stevenage, about a year. Mm. You know, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Um, and, also, and also, we have to talk about success as we actually mean success because he, all the years Paul Tisdale had at Exeter, they came runner up, runs up in League Two. Um, and that's, Pretty, I think he took him up from the conference as well. I think mm. that's pretty much all he did. Yeah, but I'm, then, not, I'm not criticising. I'm just saying that, like, it's hard to see how this, how this, how managers are that important at that level because they don't, they're just not able to do anything. But, but They've the, got no room for manoeuvre. The reason why they're important is in any given circumstance or situation or area of society, if you have a group of people, someone must lead it. Correct. Yeah, they absolutely must. I mean, if you have you ever been to a wedding where you've not had an MC? Mm-hmm. It can still be a good wedding, don't get me yeah. wrong. I've been to a very good wedding which didn't have an MC. But when you have an MC, it's a bit of a silly example. Do you want to put your phone number at the bottom there for the uh, for the, for the job? Because you, you are available, aren't yeah. you? You know, look, I'm on X. MC Speller. Me X. The thing I about Speller is, is he can do it all. He'll yeah. not only do the, the master of ceremonies, he'll toast mast, he'll, um, he'll uh, do your number. I'll, I'll MC over some 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 decks. He'll sing. Yeah. He'll sing New York, New York. And yeah. I'll, I'll, who's that at the back? It's Nick Hewer. He's turned <laughs> up. <laughs> All that. Yeah, natural, um, natural at it. But you, you, you. Even in that kind of situation, if you don't have someone leading, but there's always, oh, where are we going? What are we doing now? You know, it get, you, yeah. to avoid that, you always need someone to lead. So, um, yeah. I, do I, we I, focus too much on them, though, Jim? Final word to you. Um, I would say no, we do not. I think actually we possibly don't have that much insight into what the day-to-day running of a club is, even with all of the fly-on-the-wall documentaries we've seen, because I don't want to give too much away. We all know that Eddie Howe used to get to Bournemouth at like five o'clock in the morning or whatever yeah. it was and be the last to leave. That's quite a common thing. We don't know exactly what it is they do. Probably a lot of video analysis, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et I think um, they are 
absolutely vital. And they're setting the tone. The best ones are setting the tone. They, we talk about Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola revolutionising clubs or whatever. What does that actually mean? What it means is you go in, you set the tone, you set the standard and you mm. say, this is a standard you all have to meet. I'm leading you by example. Yep. You follow me and we do it this way and this is the minimum I expect. And if you don't um, meet that, mm. you're not going to be around there very long. Yeah, indeed. And I mean, it's like an 80-hour week they work or something. Mm. It is insane. 
Yeah, I mean, it would be a great moment. Jim, I, I, it's not my answer, but I thought about that as well. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. Just to witness the physicality of it, just, uh, like separately from how funny it is. Old man hard as well. Yeah. Baseball cap's gone backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's still oh, on. On um, James Beatty's forehead, there was a mark backwards yep. that said, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> From the baseball super, cap. Super. And, and, uh, special credit, by the way, as his name's come up for the first time in ages, to James Beatty for being a Southampton, former Southampton striker. Mm. And the worst thing he's done since has been banned for drink driving. <laughs> no, compared to your Matt Letizia's, your Ricky Lambert's, uh, he's yeah. actually dodged a bullet there. Yeah. If, if I was him in the position as an ex-Southampton striker and all I was known for was getting a nut stuck on me by... Uh, an aggressive man. An aggressive man who occasionally <laughs> loses his temper. You once said he looked like an angry snowman. I, I didn't say that Somebody around here said Might that. Might Someone around here. Yeah. <laughs> someone around these parts. I need to investigate this further, Marcus, and I'm sure, with Jim. So you're a fly on the wall here. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're not. You're not literally a fly on the wall because you wouldn't be able to process the no. what's happening. You're in. You're in the dressing room. Yeah. What are you? Are you naked as well, Sharon? Or are you just watching people in the shower, which could be seen as a bit weirder? Uh-huh. No, what, what's I, happening? So glory I've, hole involved. I've got lost. <laughs> I've got lost in the Emirate. No, I want to see the whole thing. I want a <laughs> exactly, yeah. full-on yeah. panoramic view. Yeah. Um, so I've got lost in the Emirates deliberately, and I've snuck in to the. Uh, no to one's the questioning. Room. It, no one's questioning. Well, because there's too much going on, isn't there? Well, they're also going. That guy's obviously an athlete. So. He deserves <laughs> exactly, to be here, yeah. yeah. So are they doing some sort of modelling shoot around here after <laughs> yeah. the game with him and Giroud? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Odd that he's wearing an Arsenal kit, though. <laughs> is Pulis naked at the time as well? I believe so. Yeah. I, don't yeah. really, I mean, maybe I've. It makes very little sense the for, up, for Pulis to have been naked. Doesn't well, he could it? have just marched so in there, we've... couldn't he? Just been like, boom. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Christmas party. No. None of you mentioned this. That, the, um, the party's... Oh, the bad news beats. The party's back on, but you're going to be an A&E pal, yeah. so you're going to miss anyway. What an interest that would be. Right. It'd be like, it'd be like the Sheriff of Nottingham in Prince of Thieves. Right, call off Christmas. Yeah. What are you looking at? Boom. Yeah. <laughs> but I can see that happening. I can see that happening. I'll tell you what, though. It's a great answer, because if indeed, however it played out, I think we all wish we'd witnessed it. Yeah. From, from, from behind bulletproof glass. I remember when I was looking into this, and I'll give you my answer next, but... I was looking into this. I was saying to Marcus on the phone yesterday. I, I, I looked it up and it did actually happen. Mm. At one point when he was Leicester City manager, Nigel Pearson had James MacArthur by the throat yeah, on yeah. the touchline, mm. pinned. Yeah, and obviously MacArthur played for Palace at the time. Yeah, he's doing really, that in plain really sight. Weird. Yeah, but I, so, so we, we did witness that. This is That's what, what I'm saying, but yeah. what does he get up to behind closed doors? Sure. I I don't want to witness that. Nah. Um, my, didn't he beat a pack of do- dogs to death yeah, in Bulgaria? In Germany, Bulgaria, was it? Was yeah. it, it was chasing him. Yeah, yeah, around that neck of the woods. Um, it was some part of Europe. Um, mine would probably be um, just present yeah. during the month or so in 2011 mm-hmm. where Real Madrid under Jose Mourinho were playing Pep Guardiola's Barcelona oh. quite a lot, including those Champions League semi-finals, yes. oh which had everything. Yeah, that Messi, that Messi goal on the first leg, and annoyed Cristiano Ronaldo, who was just fuming that Mourinho wouldn't let him attack, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And I, I just remember the stakes being so uh, extraordinarily high. Yeah. And, you know, you had the whole thing with Mourinho poking Tito Villanova in the eye. Mourinho was just basically at large. That was, yeah. was that in the month, though, the poking? It in might the not eye. have been. But still, it's, a, it's, it's the same energy. You have to mention it. And um, I just think it was, it was so good because Barcelona at that time mm-hmm. seen as possibly the greatest side, club side we've ever seen. Yep. Yet Real Madrid did run them really close with this kind of properly opposite anti-football mirror mm. image of it mm. on purpose which you don't see very often yeah. and it was a proper good versus evil type battle there were so many heated exchanges to the point where Del Bosque was like 
we need to sort this out because of the national side and everything yeah. with, with, among all the players. And I just think some of the stuff, I don't have anything specific, but it's not a big flight of fancy to say some of the stuff Mourinho would have been saying in that oh, dressing room for Real Madrid would have been <clears throat> extraordinary, Des. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've pretty much heard everything, <laughs> but I think that would be extraordinary, Des. Don't you? Yeah, a lovely sort of uh, Richard Keyes yeah. reference. There. I've just thought of another example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Doesn't involve, well, it involves one former footballer. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's a great answer. That month, or whatever it was, yeah. it was was genuine. I was about to say extraordinary. Because they, they met in the league, didn't they, between the Champions League fixtures. They, Is that they right? Played f- each they, played, four... they, they played in the cup as well, Marie, and then yeah. Madrid won the cup. And, it, and it, was, it was a clash that I don't think we've really kind of seen before in, in that, that it happened in such a concentrated spell. What I would say is that I'm glad we we did it never again. In in that, I think after that month was over, I was like, oh, I'm just yeah. so I, I, I'm done I, with with I, the classic. I think but it took its toll on Pep Guardiola. Oh, and Mourinho as well. It did absolutely. Yeah. It did. I would say as well a bit of a rogue shout, but it's kind of getting away from the question. But just as a conversational point, I was rewatching this yesterday because this is the answer I was going to give for the show today. And I kind of come away thinking that messy second goal on the first leg at mm. the Bernabeu was that when he roasted them. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I just kind of end up thinking I think that might be the best goal ever when you and look at the context of it big shell. just because it's the very apex of what's ever been achieved at club football and it's in a big derby game away from home mm-hmm. the stakes are high it's a Champions League semi-final it's already so high as a level yet he's able to enlist, lift himself again yeah. above that and kind of stand alone the context is crucial massively because yeah. people might say oh but in this game it's a brilliant over. goal though yeah it was, it was, it was and, and I remember at the time thinking this is going to be a really attritional, good versus evil, tough set of fixtures for, to get through. Mm. I want a Barcelona to win. Of course, I wanted to beat Man United in the final. They did win. And 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 for Messi to bust that out, yeah. we're not just talking about doing it in a standard league game. It's an, it's it, the, it, it, it was it was an incredible thing to witness. It's the individual brilliance of, mm. of yeah. just like, n- n- no, I'm I'm going to score now. Yeah, I'm better than be, all of you. It must be devastating as a Real Madrid defender there as well. Like you, you cannot keep this guy think, out. You'd think. Well, like, I mean, but they this guy's to, a, this guy's a spirit. Like they, this, how, yeah. yeah, you can't stop. This. I mean, they, they, yeah. they just then sort of tried to boot them all over. The place. Well, Ramos was trying to do that all game. But, but it must have been like playing against a ghost. But yeah, I, but I think though that it's, it's it's a good answer because yeah, to be privy of what was going on in that dressing room at the time because those Real Madrid players are going. Well, hang on a minute, you know, we like to play attacking football. Also, you've got the club directors and all them saying. This isn't us. This siege mentality. We're Real Madrid. You know, we're we're perfect. We're, we're everyone loves us. We we play football the way it's meant to be played. And yeah. No, they're the current. And it, just the tension and everything would be so um, dramatic. It would be incredible. Um, I my answer would be, I would have loved to have been in 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 Leicester City's dressing rooms and team meetings when they won the league, just to see how it played out because. That whole kind of don't mention the league title. You know, we were aiming for forty points. Oh, we're in Europe. Just how it would have played out. You know, Ranieri was very, very good in the press, but but you know, if he's saying right, nobody mention the the the, the league title. Jamie Vardy's in there. Mm. Is he just going league title every now and then? Like, what's going on there? The how. how um, you know how they then change the style to get all those one nil wins and get them over the line. What is it? You know, how are the players reacting? Are they, are they nervous? Are they excited? Are they kind of? I would I would have been absolutely fascinated by that. And the other one, if I'm going to pick up a, a specific moment, if you like, a, a, a particular um, or a specific dressing room, I would have loved to have been in the dressing room 
of the AC Milan side that lost the final to Liverpool a three-three on, and then they lost oh, on yeah. pens yeah. to see the half-time dressing room and the full-time dressing yeah. room. At half-time, you go in three-nil mm. up, you have shat all over them. Mm. And, you know, are they overconfident? Are they quite calm? You know, what's mm. the vibe? I'd imagine Ancelotti would probably kept them quite calm. And then just to see it, because in Andre Pirlo in his book, he said after that game, he said football didn't make sense anymore. He said he even thought about quitting. Now, it was probably a very fleeting yeah. uh, thought. He did. And he said, and he followed up by saying that he came to the conclusion that actually you can only control a certain amount of controllables. Yeah. And that for 83 minutes yeah. of it, Milan were fine. Yes. And that's just how it goes. Yeah. But it's easy to say that when you're Ancelotti, you've won everything a million times. Well, that was Ancelotti, but Pirlo was the one I was oh, saying. Oh, Pirlo, sorry, yeah. okay. But yeah. you're right, you know, similar sort of... Pirlo ain't going to... But Pirlo was a bit of an attention seeker. He? Yeah, He's true. Not quick football, but I, just to, to see the contrast of, uh, oh, yeah, definitely. of those two, well, I think I, I, interesting. I, absolutely. And I remember um, getting an insight from Jamie Carragher when I interviewed him once yeah. about that's half-time. And Jamie Carragher is like a real... Whatever, you, whatever you make of his of his punditry and everything, he's he absolutely loves the game. He's like obsessed mm. with football. He's obsessed with stats. He grew up reading like World Soccer magazine and yeah, all the cover to cover and all this kind of thing. And he said at the dressing room at halftime, he wasn't really listening to what Benitez was saying. He was just saying, "Wow, like this is the this is the, this is the Champions League final. I never ever thought I'd get to this level. Yeah. I'm so grateful to be. I just don't want to be one of those people mm-hmm. who becomes like a pub quiz question. Yes, who what was the biggest defeat in the Champions League final? He said he, he said he remembered Milan beating four um, Barcelona four yeah. 0 and he was he uh, said he said to me. If, if someone had walked up to me now and said 3-1 defeat I'd have taken it all oh, day long and, yeah. and, we, were, and, we were dead on and our feet. you would have done we were done yeah. Yeah. so we interviewed him for the book club as well and he, he said similar I was, I was telling him that friends of mine uh, were, you know, were all texting each other during the game and there was a lot of it going around I remember people saying Liverpool were still going to win and not, not Liverpool fans as well there was even at half time where I was there was this sense like if anyone's going to get back into it it is them and I put that to him and he was like it was not like well, that I, in the dressing I, room I, 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 okay, we weren't thinking like that at all <laughs> I wasn't thinking like that everybody I was watching it with wasn't thinking like that, I don't know who your fortune teller friends are, but um, get him on the pod. I was going to say, the get, show. we need some tips from these people <laughs> yeah, yeah. because that's... Spurs, he's 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 done it all in the wrong direction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think that's yeah, that's a great example as well. That would have mm. been an amazing experience, and and I wonder whether the myth the myth of that would be removed if you did actually have cameras and stuff like that in there. Because that, that... well, he said it wasn't actually that. The reason why I chose the Milan one rather than the Liverpool one is because he gave some insight into that and just said. Actually, it was just, it was quite downbeat. Benita said they were going to, was it bring on Harman? Brought, they'd be on something to do with Steve Finn. And I it was, it was a slight mind. tactical change, but it wasn't anything outrageous. He said that they were so discombobulated at one point, Benita's named the team for the second half and it was like 12 players, didn't they? Yeah, they had yeah. To yeah, 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 exactly. One yeah. of them had got into the shower when they, yeah. still, when they weren't actually being subbed off. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Yes. Um, final one from um, Jonas Cool on Instagram. Um, he says, uh, he asks, did Marcus wear a chef's hat? When he was out and about in Edinburgh selling sausages. Now, I think it was bacon you were selling, wasn't yeah, it? Was it, was it, was it, was it several pork products? Erroneous errors in that, as I understand it, because as I understand it, you would roam around Edinburgh uh, selling bacon from a bucket. Yeah, that's correct. Two door buckets. to door. Yeah. Two buckets. Was, was, there, was there a uniform involved, though? Yeah, I, I think we, a white coat. You yeah. know there was. We've talked. Well, not everyone does because that's what they're asking. I know. I'm. I'm very happy to tell the, the tale. Sound again. like you are. <laughs> it was like a white lab coat. <laughs> And he had Oi, fucking Walter White over there. Yeah. <laughs> As Jim once uh, said, I can't remember if it was on mic or not, but I will say it. It was, uh, what did you say, Jim? Well, look, we've created the perfect meat. You know, we're getting a child to sell it or something. <laughs> um, uh, but were there sausages involved? No, it was um, just what? bacon. And it was, it was, uh, sorry Take for us those. through it from the start. Okay, so it was, a, my brother, I don't know how he got a baker. Someone was, was selling bacon. My brother thought this would be a good idea. We need a family dynasty in this. He took, <laughs> he took over the bacon round. You would have, 
two buckets. You'd have one was smoked bacon, one was unsmoked. Smoked nice. was in a reddish red uh, label. The, the unsmoked was in a blue label. Uh, unsmoked was one pound forty eight. Yeah. I mean, talking sort of back early, early mid nineties. Or... No, uh, uh, back. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, uh, more like the Danish style. Yeah, and uh, and then and, and smoked was one pound fifty two. Right. Uh, you had a pocket of of two. The, the lab coat really was for the change. Yeah, right. You'd have, you'd it's cash only business. It implies yeah. that you butchered it yourself. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Um, but I think that the the buyer or... it gives the customer a fucking idea that you know you're a butchery. Yeah, but they're yeah. thinking, yeah. oh, he's probably he's maybe well, yeah. his dad or something. You know. Yeah. Is, but you you had a little notebook of the people who uh, were on the round, so it wasn't yeah. you didn't just knock on the door. Everyone you went to were were waiting for the bacon to arrive. Yeah. Obviously, it was up to them. That must, maybe some people go actually maybe not today, or some people go yeah I'll have this. Oh, actually, I'll a pack of that but usually people knew what they wanted but it was only bacon just bacon so it's not like a milk when he does orange juice and bread and stuff just, just bacon so, so Junus call on, on Instagram he's very very wrong he's talking about sausages here there's no sausages involved exactly and it wasn't roaming around Edinburgh it was very much you were going to specific neighbourhoods which were close by presumably there was bacon boys all over the city Yeah, you couldn't move for them I didn't even know it was a thing until Mark no I didn't I, and presumably you, there was no chef's hat involved there was no chef's hat yeah exactly. like you know Local areas have their own little quirks, don't they? I remember we used to have a video van, and I know they used to have it in certain parts of Northern Ireland as well, but I've never heard of another place having it. Yeah, I remember it. a video van. So, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, there you go. So, I, I don't, don't know. Are you familiar no. with this? So, no. if, you, if you're not familiar with it, uh, a man would arrive in a small van, mulleted generally. Mm. Uh, he would have um, a library of videos, possibly pirated, uh, and then he would rent them to your dad. Uh, for less than the nearest video shop. <laughs> yeah, so my memory of it was it was actually quite a big van. Like, a, like an oversized transit van and you could go and he'd put a um, staircase down the back of the van Yes, you'd go up into the van it would, it would, they were all laid out like it was a shop like a mobile shop and then he would come back round again like a personal service to make sure he got it back so there was no late fees but producer Rory who's also Scottish and, and grew up in Edinburgh Marcus says mm. his friend used to deliver bacon in Edinburgh um, so well, it's, it's, it's a good. thing yeah is there, is there like a sort of old boys network of <laughs> An old bacon boys network. What's that group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that group? We're called the Porky People. The photo's just a pig. (laughs) The pork posse. Yeah, anyway. I think that's the the best time to end on it, Mark, because I think you've answered people's questions there. That's all you can do. I'm always happy to answer it. Yeah. Uh, Of course, also did a paper round as well, but that's not nearly as uh, amusing or entertaining. There we are. Thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble Mailbag. We're back on Monday with a brand new ramble, of course. In the meantime, follow us on uh, Twitter, currently known as X, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at Football Ramble and subscribe on Spotify and enjoy your weekends, everybody. See you later. See you then. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.